Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wyoli, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where I talk to other lovely humans about their own sexy stories and experiences. As always, unless you are treating yourself to one of my paid offerings, please keep all sexy thoughts about me to yourself. Always keep all sexy thoughts and reactions to our guest to yourself and enjoy. Our guest today is 30 years old. She's a bisexual white female who has been married for nine years. She's a submissive and a masochist who's into impact play, breath play, and loves direct aggressive approaches from her husband, a photographer and mother of four from Tennessee. Welcome, Lindsay. Hi. Hi. Could you tell our listeners about your shame-o-meter on a scale of one to ten, with ten being the most full of shame and one being the least? Where do you fall right now? Like, as of this moment, probably like a zero to a one. For the most part, it just depends on who I'm talking to and where I'm at. Fuck yeah. When does it get the shamiest and how high does it get? Probably the shamiest is around my family. I come from a very Christian family. My grandpa was a preacher, so we grew up in church, very Southern Baptist, you know, that type of thing. It depends on the conversation. My family can be like very vulgar with conversations sometimes, just like being jokingly, but it probably falls on like a seven or an eight around my family. Okay. Okay. That's a pretty big gap in the seasons, shall we say. None of my family has any kind of kinks or anything like that. So like I'm the first one that has any kind of stuff to really not be open about around them. <laughs> that you know about. That Maybe I know about. Really true. good secret keepers. We just never know. We just true. never know. <laughs> <laughs> I always think it would be so funny to find out if two related people both were guests on this podcast and had no idea and then like figured it out. Or I just think that would be so funny. Okay. Can you tell us just a little overview of what your sex life is like right now and your favorite parts? I would describe it as get it when you can, because with four kids and a three month old in the house, it's very much so like in the middle of the day, we get a quickie. And if we can, if the kids are napping in at school or if it's like right before bedtime, if we're really, really like feeling it that day, we'll get it before we go to bed because that's when it's really quiet in the house is really empty or all the kids are in bed. So we get it when we can. But when we are able to, it's still really good. Amazing. Do you feel like with each kid, like, have you gotten better at like grabbing the spots when you can or has it been increasingly hard or is it like a total mixture? We've definitely learned the rhythm of when is best during the day to eke out the quickies. <laughs> Great. And can you tell us what does sexy mean to you? What's your personal definition? Sexy for me is not really much of an outward thing. It's more of a personality and how you present yourself. It's very much how you carry yourself, how my husband, like he's very confident in the way he comes on to me and the way he carries himself whenever he feels good about himself. You know, that's always more appealing to me than just looking good. I mean, granted, I find him to be really sexy, too, because I have to look at him every day. But <laughs> but his inward personality and the way he carries himself, I find very attractive. And that's always been a big appeal to me is how you carry yourself. Totally feel that. Can you tell us if you ever remember learning explicitly about consent growing up? So that's not really something that we ever talked about when I was a kid, because sex wasn't really a subject growing up, even just because we lived in a very conservative Christian household. Sex wasn't something that we talked about ever. As an adult, can you recall if there are any sort of explicit consent-oriented moments that you would identify as extremely sexy? Yes. So we, my husband and I, before we got pregnant with this last child, we had a, I don't even know if I'd call it a throuple. We had a unicorn, if that was what we called it. You know, the single female that joins the married couple. Yeah. We had one of those for a few months and the getting her into the because she was very new to any type of kinks, BDSM, very new to all that stuff, had never been with a married couple or anything. And the conversation that we had with her was very, very much, like, I found that to be very attractive because the way my husband sat down with her and was like, we have 
rules that we go by. We do this this way. We don't do things this way. You know, you have to make sure we don't drink when we play because we don't want anybody to be intoxicated. You know, we we very much have certain rules that we follow and we want to make sure that you understand all of them before we get into this. I found that to be very attractive just because I find whenever he takes charge to be very sexy. So <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And just like as I project myself into a potential unicorn role, if a couple sat down with me and was so clear about their needs, desires once, and then they all had to do with safety. I mean, the time that that has happened in my own life has been some of the sexiest. So thank you for that example. Okay, can you tell us what happens to your shame-a-meter when it's time to talk to a new partner about safer sex? And what does that conversation look like in an ideal world for you? I know you have a husband of nine years, but it sounds like you are playing with other people and just, you know, for the sake of the conversation, tell us about your safer sex feels. I think it's just super important, if nothing else, just because we're a married couple, we have our kids, we can't afford to have other people coming in that have, you know, or we can have people that have other STIs and whatnot. I personally have HPV. So that's one thing we're always open about. We always use protection. We talk about that all before we do anything. And that's always happening during the screening process because we meet them via different platforms. And when we first talk to them, we are very open about it. You know, we talk about, you know, I have HPV. We only use protection when we have other men in the place. My husband uses protection when he's with other women. And it's mostly, like I said, it's all about our health. We have kids. We're married. We don't want to bring in things into that that we don't need. Beautiful very important to us. <laughs> it is important. I love that. Have you had any reactions from people who like don't know what HPV is or don't know anything about it? Like have you had any big fear-based reactions yet? And how was it for you kind of like finding out that you have it? What's that process like for you if you feel comfortable speaking about it? So the weirdest part was that getting diagnosed with it, like I found out at my past smear that I had before at the very beginning of my pregnancy. So because I hadn't been in a while, I had to get the yearly women's checkup. Yeah. And I had not had it in the previous, however long, you know, eight years of our marriage. We kind of figured out that I got it from one of our partners that the rules slipped one time and we had been out hanging out with them and that we had been drinking on one of the, the wife of the couple we were hanging out with. We played with a couple male, female couples as well. Yeah. And we had been out celebrating her birthday and we were actually friends outside of just being, you know, play partners and had some alcohol in our system and he wound up not having a condom on. And we're thinking that's where I've had to have contracted it because my husband doesn't have it. And then I didn't have it previous to that. Okay. Isn't HPV one of the sneaky ones where it doesn't yeah. show up in dudes most of the time? I had no symptoms whatsoever. And I just found out because of an irregular pressure. Okay. Well, it's good to get screened. Isn't HPV, is that the one that kind of like can go away? I know that you're at risk for cervical cancer, but. Yeah. So I don't know if they can go away or not. I know they, ha they used to have a vaccine for it. So I don't know. I, just I don't know, know if it okay. goes away or not. Kimberly, we're going to edit the medical part of this because I do <laughs> need to be better about, <laughs> about actually medical facts here. But um, I just had a fr I know that anecdotally I had a friend who had HPV, ha like thought she was going to have to have like full surgery and then her cells like went back to normal. So I just I don't know. OK, um, so like a responsible podcast host, I went and looked up the thing I didn't know later. That is what I believe responsible podcast hosts should do. HPV, it usually goes away all on its own without ever causing any health problems. It can cause genital warts, cervical cancer, and cancers that affect the throat, mouth, and other parts of the body. So there's no treatment, but studies have shown that more than 90% of the new HPV infections, including those with high-risk types, clear or become undetectable within two years. And clearance usually occurs in the first six months after infection. Preventative health measures, which I always encourage, include condoms, dental dams, 
getting HPV vaccine, and regular screenings for cervical cancer. And that's from the CDC. Okay, so it sounds like no partners have reacted weird at you when it's come to disclosure talks? Mm-mm, no. Great, great, love it. Oh. <laughs> okay, also, I'm so excited. This little snapshot preview into your sex life. I can't wait to get details. But first, can you take us through your formative experiences in your early years? What is your first memory around sex? I feel like I've always been a very curious sexual type personality because even as a kid, I remember you would see those, you know, those random sex scenes that'll pop up in movies and your parents like cover your eyes really fast and they make sure you don't want to see it. <laughs> that was always very curious to me. And even before I started experimenting with different things, I would watch like those Skinamax late night movies on like HBO and stuff like that in my bedroom after everybody went to bed as early as like, you know, seven or eight years old. So, I mean, I was very interested in it from a very early age. Did you ever get caught? Did anyone ever figure out what you were doing? No, nobody ever caught me because I would turn the volume all the way down and like listen out the hallway of my bedroom. <laughs> so I would never hear sounds of it. And then when I reached my teenage years, when we started getting like smartphones and stuff like that, and you could use headphones, that's when I started listening. And it was a whole new experience because I'd never watched anything like that with noise before. <laughs> so it was just a visual thing. And the sound started happening. And even to this day, I'm a very like sound oriented person when it comes to sex with anybody. I love hearing the noises that somebody makes. Or I love, you know, hearing my husband talked to me when we were doing anything or him moaning, even just different things like that. And it's very much of a turn on to me to hear it. And I don't know if it's because I was deprived of that for the first time many years. of. (laughs) That's hot. That's great. (laughs) Wow. So, okay. You grew up in a household where it sounds like they didn't talk about sex, but did you ever get a sex talk? No, my sex talk was when I was a teenager, my mom would tell my sister and I, we had three rules. Don't get pregnant. Don't be stupid. Don't go to jail. (laughs) And that was our sex talk. Oh my gosh. When you actually got a talk. Yeah. So as a teenager who had already discovered Skinamax a while ago, had you been touching yourself? Were you already like aware of sex? Well, I started masturbating and touching myself in like middle school. Okay. So that was like, you know, already a thing. (laughs) When and how did you start? Like, what do you remember about it? So the crazy thing is before I even knew what it was, I remember when we would go to my grandparents' house as like a kid, as you know, like four, five, six years old, we would go swimming. And this was whenever we were old enough to not have to have the adults in the pool with us swimming. So we weren't supervised. And myself, my sister, and two of my cousins would take turns going to the jet on the pool. <laughs> we didn't great. know what the heck it was, but we would all four take turns on that. Like one would get done and they would go away and the next person would come up and use it. Do you know if you were all using it in the same way? Because like, what if other people were just like fun bubbles and you were like coming? No, it was everybody doing the same thing because it was like, we all remember it like tickling. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember who discovered it first? I have no idea. I can't remember who it was. But we were all four around the same age. Like myself and my two cousins and my sister were all within four years of each other. Wow. I'm assuming at some point that that translated into solo play in other places for you? Yeah. So when I got into the age where I was starting to watch like the movies on the TV and whatnot, I figured it out that that translated into touching other areas. Okay. What was your kind of relationship to touching yourself, especially considering the fact that you grew up Baptist in the South? Were you Baptist? Like Southern (laughs) Baptist? (laughs) Yes. Like very, very conservative Southern Baptist. Yes. So it would basically be in my room by myself when my mom and my dad were both at work. So we were very independent children. We would ride the bus home from school and my parents would be at work, you know, for a few hours after we got home. 
And I have an older brother, but he was in high school and was in lots of sports. So he was never home either because he was always at practice or games or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So we would come home. My sister and I had our own rooms. I would go in my room and watch TV. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Air quotes, watch TV. Um, okay. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I would watch out my window for my mom to come home to make sure I wasn't doing anything when she was coming home. And then I would masturbate. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Great. Okay. So it sounds like there was not too much like God shame there for you. No, no. So it's really weird the way that my brain has kind of clicked with the whole religion part of it, because we grew up in church, but I never felt very shameful about much stuff as far as religiously wise. I don't think that's weird. That's awesome. Can you speak to why? Like, did you just have an internal sense of like, eh? Even though my family was very religious, they didn't use religion as a way to shame you. So that was really nice. Yeah, it was really nice in that sense. Okay, so... What about at school? Did you get sex ed at school? Did you have friends tell you things at school? What was your social sex life like? I remember talking about sex with like the older boys in school whenever I was in middle school and stuff like that. We'd go home on the bus and you'd sit in the back of the bus and like talk about it, stuff like that. As far as sex ed in school, I don't remember it in middle school. I do remember in high school when we got the sex ed class where they showed you like the anatomical videos of how guys get an erection because the blood flows. And I remember being very cut and dry. And very boring, very medical. It wasn't interesting at all. <laughs> yeah. So did you learn any interesting things from friends? Not really until I got into like my last two years of high school. I think a lot of it I learned from myself and then I would talk to other people because I've always been very interested in talking about sex. Even if I wasn't having it with the other person, I love to talk about it. I don't know why. I just like to. <laughs> I get it. I had a lot of shame around my own sexuality in high school just because of the fact that I've never been the typical like pretty girl in school. I was always a little bit bigger. I was, you know, not the conventional pretty blonde, blue eye, you know, 120 pounds, you know, the, the usual things they high school guys find pretty. I had boys that would text me and do like dirty sexting and dirty phone calls and phone sex and stuff like that. And it would be like every night with a certain guy for like six months and we would go to school and I'd be like, I didn't exist. Ugh. I had that too. I had a lot of hesitancy and kind of shame to it almost because it was like they were ashamed for people to know that they were into me like that. Yep. I mean, I feel like I'm still recovering from my early first patterning of the guy who was a year older than me, who was the hot one that everyone liked. Like I was the nerdy girl <laughs> that was a secret. I get it. <laughs> I was the plus size people to know, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then when I got out of high school, I don't know what it was. Like I graduated high school and it was like a flip switch. Like all these guys were so into me and they were very, you know, very much about it. And I kind of got what I call now in my whole phase, basically. I okay. was going around like I was having one night stands. I live in a military town and I was what they call a barracks bunny for a little while. <laughs> so I didn't lose my virginity until I was 18. Keep in mind, like my actual, like being with another person, another partner until I was 18. When I hit 18, it was like I went crazy. I had an older friend that she's nine or 10 years older than me. I met her through work. And she's a very young soul. You know, we made friends really fast. She had her military ID and we look enough alike that I would use her military ID to get into oh the clubs with her. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she would use her driver's license and I would use her military ID. We would go to the clubs together. That's hilarious. Did the bouncers not notice? <laughs> we have a whole system. She would go in first and I would wait like five minutes after like 10 or 12 people would go and go in after her. That's genius. <laughs> so they wouldn't see them right next to each other. Oh my gosh. It led to a lot of one night stands, a lot of experiences with people that I had never, you know, thought of doing this stuff for because all these military guys were older than me and a lot more experienced. 
and they wanted to try all this stuff that I'd never even thought about doing. Whoa. Had you done anything at this point? So this was after high school. Were you still living with parents or had you moved out? Still living with parents. Yeah. I, I lived with my parents until I got married when I was 21. I graduated high school at 17 and then I got into college and graduated college at 19. So in those two years that I was in college, I went to an art school. I have a photography degree. So lots of fun stuff happens. You know, artists are very much (laughs) so fun and creative and sexy. Yeah, exactly. So I had a lot of experiences in college in those two years before I met my husband. Wow. Wait. Okay. So in high school, did you have any partnered experiences? Nope. I did not have any partnered experiences until my 18th birthday after I graduated. Oh, so cool. Okay. 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 So I'm wrapping my brain around it all. Okay. So can you walk us through some of the experiences that you remember of this whole phase, especially given the fact that you went in with no experience? (laughs) So yeah, it was very shocking at first because I had an on and off again boyfriend from back home where I used to live. So I moved to Tennessee when I was a freshman in high school. I was 13. And I had like, you know, the childhood boyfriend that you were, you know, in like middle school, elementary school that was your first love, yada, yada. So he and I actually are still very good friends today. And when we were in high school, we still kept in touch. We talked a lot. And whenever I got out of high school, was able to start going back to where I used to live. It's only a two-hour drive. So I would go and visit family and I would see him while I was there. And we were very on again, off again for years and years. He was my first big experience with anything BDSM, kink, anything like that. Because he is a dominant, very hardcore. And he kind of showed me what it was like to be a submissive and he kind of got me into that. And that's where I learned that that's what I really enjoy. Wow. Okay. Formative experience. Did you call him a title or anything? I would call him sir every so often. Okay. It wasn't something like we had to do all the time, but when we were with each other and it was in that kind of situation, I would call him sir. Yeah. Did you have any BDSM knowledge before then? No. So he introduced me to all of it. He was a good teacher in that sense. He introduced me to all of it. He took me to the sex clubs, like the ones where you go and like watch shows. I'm trying to think of what it's called. Like a cabaret? Uh, no, burlesque show? No, 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 no. Like the ones where you go and you have sex with like groups of people. You watch like rope tying shows and you watch okay. people do like impact play. I can't think of it right now. Did you go to a dungeon? I guess you kind of call it that. Yeah. There's one in Nashville nearby us that they actually have like a name for it. It's the equivalent of a gentleman's club, but it's for couples. And you go and you like, you have to be invited in and you have to be screened before you can become a member of it. And they have classes where you can go and learn about different kinds of BDSM, different kinks. You can do all kinds of stuff. And it's cool. That's amazing. Yeah. But they had one back home and that's where I was introduced to that stuff because he was a member of that through one of his friends and he brought me in as his partner. Is there one in Los Angeles? I need to join this. What am I doing? Oh, but it's for couples. Like it's, it's for anybody. You just have to be invited in by a member that's already a current member. Okay. What was it like for you going there? It was very, very different because I didn't realize that's what it was going to be like. I thought it was going to be something like a peep show, you know, like where you go in and you watch like somebody have sex. Where and- was this in your whole phase? Was it toward the beginning when you started going or was it like, okay. This was the beginning when I was like, just turned 18. <laughs> was this like one of your first experiences? Yes. <laughs> One of my first experiences, my very first experience was at his house with him, obviously. Like, that was, like, the very first actual loss of virginity having sex type thing. It was fun. I know I didn't finish. It was, like, he had had sex before that. I did not finish. I think I was more concentrating on making sure that he was having a good time. Like, he was enjoying it. I wasn't so much worried about what was I enjoying it. I was like, oh, my God, I don't want him to come out of this and be like, oh, that was terrible. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, totally. Totally. It's so funny because my like whole life mission now to make a world where taking care of each other is the norm. I just like this week was like, 
Oh, yeah. Like a lot of the femme types that I know are really good at taking care of themselves and each other. It's a lot of the masculine types that just need reminders to take care of us back. Yeah, right. We're very concerned about other people's experience. Okay, okay, okay. Was there pleasure? Was there just curiosity? What else do you remember? Clearly, there was enough to keep going. It was definitely pleasurable. Like, he was my first actual, like, love. So I did very much enjoy it. Still the same. My husband knows he and I have a lot of chemistry. He and I still talk a lot. We're still very good friends. And we always will have that chemistry, that connection to each other. And we just know to keep it, you know, on the tame side, because if we are around each other for too long, it can get very hard to deny it, which is crazy because my husband knows that and he's very okay with me talking to him because he knows that I would never do anything to hurt my husband. Yeah. Okay. It was very enjoyable. I mean, I still remember it. A really good time. So. Okay. So then what do you remember about the first time walking into this BDSM club dungeon place magical experience? I remember being very timid about it and there was some things like one of the first things i saw was there was a couple doing an impact scene and i was like oh my because i had never experienced impact play before and they were using a wooden paddle like they weren't using a leather paddle they weren't using like a riding crop they were using a wooden paddle and i was like oh my god how is she enjoying that (laughs) brain around was like how do people enjoy that kind of pain because that's all i thought was oh my god that has to hurt so bad Yeah. Well, endorphins are flowing. And also when our bodies are in stress, our pain reception goes down. So I've learned that now. But of course you have. Yes. (laughs) Back then it was very much like I could not believe what I was seeing. Like there was that there was also a Shibari show going on. They were were suspending people. And that was insane. Like I thought that was gorgeous. I couldn't take my eyes off that was for sure. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So he slowly worked me into the different things and trying different things and finding out what I like. Because he had experienced a lot of stuff with a former partner who was older than he was that had brought him into it. And he kind of slowly started introducing like impact, breath play, choking, paddles, floggers, all kinds of stuff, sensory play, different things like that. Yeah. He introduced me to all of that stuff. And I very quickly realized that I was into that as opposed to just regular vanilla sex. Yeah. So the longer we did that, the more things I was starting to enjoy and the more we'd integrate into our own sex life. And all this time, like, keep in mind, I'm living two states away. so. We would have the weekend to do this kind of stuff with each other, and I'd be gone for a month. Mm. Like, I wouldn't go home every weekend. So we would have an entire month he would go through, and it was one of our things we would go through. We would, like, text each other and call each other and make plans for the next time I was there. (sighs) That's so hot. He would give me different things to research over the time that I was gone, and so, so I knew what I was getting into. Oh, that's so hot. Like, what? What? Do you remember? Like, what did you research? What did you have to do? One of the first things, because he knew I was so, like, intrigued by it, one of the first things he wanted to try was the breath play, the choking and being okay with it. Because I didn't know how I was going to react to having somebody's hand around my throat while we were having sex. You know, that was one of the big things I wasn't sure. Because natural human reaction, you get a hand around your throat, like, oh, my God, what are you doing? (laughs) So he gave me topics to research. And I would sit at home while I was not doing schoolwork because I was in college and working two jobs at this point in time. When I would have downtime, I would sit around and I would get on my computer and I would just research. And I would find stories of women that were like, yeah, it was the greatest orgasm I've ever had because I would get right to the edge of like passing out and then it would have these stars and euphoria and then it would make me come and it was beautiful. (laughs) So I was very encouraged. I wasn't scared. Like it wasn't something that I was scared to try. I was just new. That's all it was. And he didn't realize that. So I was doing that with him. And the thing was, we weren't monogamous either. Like he was my stir when we were together and he would give me stuff to do but i would be dating other guys and going through this whole phase with the military guys i love that personally because for me like when i had my master it was like having an anchor knowing that i was going to get fucked amazingly sooner rather than later 
But then I felt like this freedom to just like go out and drive. I mean, it backfired more often than not. But like, how was it for you? Like, was it the same type of experience? It was the same kind of thing because a lot of the one night stands that I would experience with these guys at these clubs, they would be intoxicated and they would have either whiskey dick. They would come really fast or they wouldn't at all. One of the worst stories that I remember ever was, so I met this guy, went back to his barracks, his room. And we were in the middle of getting ready to get undressed. We were starting to have sex. And this man gets off of me, lays on his back and pulls his knees to his chest and tells me to lick his asshole. Like no warning or anything like that. And I'm like, I had never done any ass play at this point in time. So I have nothing against it now, but it was very shocking at that point because I literally looked at him and I said, I gotta go. Sorry. (laughs) And I left. (laughs) There's a lot of assumption in that move. Like there's a lot of just like self-focused assumption in that particular unfolding of that particular set of events. Like not even a check-in of like, hey, do you like butt stuff? Exactly. And I got up and I grabbed my shoes. I put my pants on and I walked out. (laughs) Oh, good for you. Good for you. Have you ever walked out of other places or was that your only time? That was the only time I've ever walked out of. Okay. Okay. (laughs) What other events or experiences do you remember from this barracks bunny time in your life? There was a lot of fun times like that, that I would get really, really good sex or they'd be like in the back of a car while we were at the outside of the club just because we couldn't wait to get back to the barracks. But there was a lot of like experience where now I realize it kind of made my brain wired to equate sex with love or sex with emotion because I realized that I was reaching out at that point because I was looking for the emotional connection because of the guys in high school that were like treating me like that. I equated like, okay, they're giving me attention. therefore. I need to have sex with them because they like me. Mm, Like it's the next logical step or it's the what we're supposed to do kind of thing. Yeah. I realize that now as I've gotten older and it even there's been times in my marriage even where it's been like my husband, because he was in the military, he got traumatic brain injuries and he has PTSD. He goes through times where he has no sex drive whatsoever and he can't Mm. help it. He just doesn't have a sex drive. And I'm a very hypersexual person. I want sex 10 times a day if I can get it. In the beginning of our marriage, like he would go months and months where he didn't want to have sex. Like we would only have sex because I initiated it and I like begged him for it. Anytime, even to this day where we go a long time, I have to catch myself thinking, is he still interested in me? And I'm like, don't say that to yourself. Mm. You know, you, you know, he loves you, you know, he likes you. It has nothing to do with the fact that he's not having sex with you. He still finds you attractive. Yeah. Sex and love don't equate each other. And that was one of the big things that I got out of that whole experience is that you can have meaningless sex and it doesn't mean anything. (laughs) It doesn't have to mean anything. So that's the biggest thing I got out of that whole experience. That's so interesting. And what a great observation to have. Are you able to look back on that time period and track if there was an evolution in awareness of your own physical body experience? Because it sounds like you were having these parallel experiences of your sir. I know that when I was in that kind of like new submissive state and new, I felt like I was learning about sex for the first time, even though I'd been having it for eight years at the time. And so it's like I was like discovering all these things about my body, but I wasn't having very much outside sex in that first year. And I wonder what it was like to be like in this phase of like anchored learning with someone that you cared about and who cared about you and then also had these parallel experiences. Like, could you feel any of that in your body at all? Yeah. So it almost made it more confusing because it was very much like I wanted that type of intimacy. My sir at that point in time, he very much like worshiped every part of my body. He would always reassure me. Like he would tell me, you're gorgeous. You're beautiful. I'd be giving him a blowjob. He's like, you're so beautiful like that. I I love how your eyes look, you know, 
compliments different parts of me all the time. And then on the parallel side of that, I would have the completely empty sex that I was looking for that connection in. So it almost made it confusing for me at 19, you know, very new to the whole sexual thing. It did become confusing. I think that's why the whole phase of it weaned out very quickly because I couldn't find that kind of connection that I was looking for. Yeah. When I hear you describe the way that he talks to you, I used to have that and I felt so deeply appreciated. And there have been so many people that I've had sex with since where I'm just, comparison's not helpful, but my brain can't help it sometimes. And I'm like, do you even want to be here? You're not touching me. And it just feels like expectation or like, for me, I always worry, do they feel obligated because this is the next logical step if they like me? Like, that's like where my own fear comes up. So that reassurance, that makes a lot of sense. So do you feel like the relationship with your sir, who you are still good friends with, do you feel like that spoiled you when it came to sex and relationships and dating in general? It very much did. I think because that was my first real experience with sex that my brain was wired to think that everybody liked sex like that. And then I met my husband who, when we first met, was very vanilla. He had regular sex. He had never done any type of kink, breath play, you know, any, anything like that. Never done BDSM. His furthest knowledge of any kind of BDSM or kink was Fifty Shades of Grey. That was his extent of it. He had never actually experienced it with anybody. It sounds like he's very sexy and kind of dommy now, even if there are periods where the desire is not there. How did, did you have to train him or how did things unfold next? And did he pull you out of your hoe phase? It sounds like you had this like two year period and then him. And did he pull you out of your hoe phase? It sounds like you had this like two year period and then him. Yes, very much so. And the crazy thing is, is that I met him when I was going through my hoe phase because his older brother and my dad are very close friends. We've known each other because we would be at family get togethers or like our friends would always get together on the weekends and hang out and barbecues and whatnot. And he would be home on like R&R or you not deployed at that time. And he would show up to these parties with his brother. I knew his brother better than I knew him, but I always knew him as like Brandon's younger brother that came around randomly that I would see every so often, you know? <laughs> so I would see him and he would always have a different girl with him. And he would, and everybody was always like, oh, he's got another girl. He's going to take her <laughs> in so-and-so's pool and do stuff with her while we're playing, you know, cornhole in the backyard or whatever. You know? So it was crazy how we started dating because I was on Facebook one day and I was going through and just randomly scrolling. And I saw his name pop up and I was like, oh, I haven't talked to him in forever. So I messaged him and just saw what he was doing. And we talked on video chatting for like 17 hours straight that day. Whoa. Yeah, we found like the conversation just flowed so naturally. We talked and talked and just the evolutions of our conversation was just, it was magical the way it happened. And then we talked nonstop the next day, just texting back and forth like 24 hours a day for the next like week. That's a love high. That's like a such a lightning bolt connection. Okay. Were you talking about sexy stuff right away or was it just like all of life? No, no, it was just all of life in general. And the sexy stuff didn't start happening until he got back because he was in Washington visiting a friend at this point in time. Okay. And he was there for like a week or two. And he told me this after we had already been married, that if I hadn't messaged him when I did, he was there for a job interview as a contractor to go overseas and work. And our connection was so crazy that he didn't go to his job interview and he came back home to Tennessee from Washington. Whoa. It was crazy. I found that after we got married, but I was like, you turned down a job to come back and have a talk to me. But if he had told you then, that would have been so much pressure and I would have been like out so fast personally. Like, yeah. wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So I'm hearing that maybe if people have a really intense connection with someone, even if that person isn't kinky, there might be some hope. Can you tell us, like, how did you bridge that gap? 
like I said, we've been married for nine years, but we've only been into kink and BDSM and stuff like that for about three years. Whoa. Okay. What about the swinging stuff? Did that start earlier? No, that only happened within the last like three years of us doing all of this stuff. So the first six years of our marriage, we had some rocky points because he was so vanilla and I always wanted this part of my life that I had before that back, but I didn't know how to bring that up. I had no idea how to bring that up with my husband of six years that was so used to just regular plain old vanilla sex that would happen. Yeah. You know, that was it. And then also, how do you introduce that when you have two kids in the house, you know? Like, <laughs> so I think we were watching like the new Fifty Shades that come out, like the last one, like new Fifty Shades Freed or one of the last ones that come out recently. And we were watching that and he was like, oh, that's cool. That's nice. You know, I was like, oh, we should try that. How would you like to try that? <laughs> and that's kind of how I bridged it with him, honestly, because that was his only introduction to it. Ugh. I used that as a way to kind of work up into it. And the more little things that we would try, I'd be like, well, we should try this. And then we should try this. And one day he eventually did look at me and he was like, how do you know all of this stuff? And that's when I had to tell him about my former sir before him. And I had to tell him about that whole past life and sex experiences that I had before him. How was that for you? It was an interesting conversation. I think at first he felt intimidated because he very much didn't know any of that stuff about me. And I told him that it was such a huge part of my life and I really would love to get it back if I could. You know, I, I'm not going to force you to do what you don't want to do. But, you know, if I could make this a part of our sex life, then I would be ecstatic. It would be fantastic if we could do that. And he very much was willing to try it and see if he could do it, if he liked it. He wasn't a very dominant personality to begin with. I'm very much the dominant personality in our marriage as far as our kids and our living situation and doing like making sure the bills are paid every month and stuff like that. I'm very much in charge making all the doing everything. He goes to work and makes some money. I do everything else, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. That's why you need him to, like, hold space for you more than ever when it's time to fuck. So you can fucking relax and get laid and have orgasms and just chill. When I explained to him the whole reasoning behind why I am so much of a submissive in the bedroom and why I like that headspace is because it's a time for me to turn my whole brain off and let somebody else be in charge for a little, little bit of time. Yeah. I don't have to make any decisions. I don't have to be the one doing everything. I don't have to be the one making everything happen. I can just sit back and let it happen to me. That's amazing. So how did you tiptoe into the things? Like, what did you two start with? And what conversations did you have around that after the initial disclosure? So I love how we got into, like, the things that we wanted to do because he took to it so well. He dove in headfirst. He got on Amazon and ordered, like, BDSM books on how-tos and how to be oh. a dominant and how to be kinky and, like, beginner's guides to BDSM researchers are so hot people who learn things like nerdy all the way is so hot i love sex nerds i think the part that got me the most so that was just like it almost made me want to cry because he was so into it he made a binder and sat down with me and he was like we're gonna go through we're gonna write down hard limits soft limits what you want to try what i want to try everything and we have a binder to this day where we go through and we're like we haven't tried this in a while let's try this you have a bucket list binder? That's literally what I'm working on right now. How is it organized? <laughs> <laughs> so he has like a couple pages are for his and a couple pages of mine. They're separated. And he has like a page of limits. So we have our hard limits on one page. We have our soft limits on one page. We have our green light stuff that we're always okay to do. And stuff that we want to try eventually that we haven't tried before is on one page. And it's fantastic. He, he implemented that on his own without me even asking him to. And it was one of the greatest things ever. <laughs> You have such an amazing hot husband. How was it for you as a submissive? There like had to have been a moment where you're like, 
okay, the first time we are going to be kinky together. Like, was that hard for you? Or like, how did he initiate it? Like, you made this binder and... So he initiated it. He's very much, he likes to have stuff like laid out for him, almost like a plan beforehand type guy. So the whole day leading up to it, we had talked about it because our kids were going to be gone that weekend with my parents, maybe I think, or something like that. And he had to work that day. And he was texting me ideas of what I wanted to try that night all day long. So he was like, do you want to try this? Tell me what you want to do. Give me a scenario. Let's he even used the term. He was like, let's create a scene beforehand so we can know what we're going to do. <laughs> That's so cute and hot. Yeah. And amazing. Yeah. So we were texting back and forth all day long. And by the time he got home, once this started happening, he started giving me like rules for the rest of the day. Like, you aren't allowed to do this. This is what you're. Yeah, it was great. And it just led up to this incredible, incredible first night of trying out. Like, we only tried two or three things that night, new things. I could tell in the beginning of it, like, he was having to work his way up to being really confident with it. But by the end of the night, it was just phenomenal. I think I had more orgasms that night than I've had in one single day and like, ever. <laughs> it was Holy amazing. Fuck. <laughs> Holy fuck. Okay. Where did that lead you to in your connection? I can honestly say that our marriage had never been as good as it was in that first like six months of learning that about each other. Wow. Incredible. We have this connection that we had never even felt like we we've loved each other dearly since the day we started dating. I was going to say, even with a 17 hour initial boom introduction, this was another level of connection. Even after that, that six months of exploring each other and learning all this new stuff about each other. It was like first like the thing you feel when you first start dating again. Yeah, You know, like that lust that you feel towards each other. And it's like that, oh, you have to yell at her all the time. Oh, it was like gosh. that for that first six months of learning kink with each other. Genius also that you did it at like six years. That's usually when people start getting itchy and you literally just like infused new relationship energy into your relationship. Like that's so hot. What did you learn about each other in that time or yourself? I think that's whenever I started having that realization of the sex doesn't have to equate love thing. Mm. because I looked back at all those previous experiences and I was like, those were so meaningless compared to this because there's such a connection with this. It was also just learning the sides of him that I'd never seen before. He was like a whole new person. Do you feel like you were a new person with him? I don't necessarily know that I feel like I was a new person because I've experienced that same kind of thing previously, but there was definitely like a much deeper connection this time because of just the entirety of our lives together just made it that much more meaningful. And it's like another part of you that he hadn't fully met, maybe. Or, I mean, I'm sure she shows up in certain ways, but, like, it's just such a different context, kind of. Well, I don't know. Is it for you? I'm projecting here. No, it is totally, because he had never seen that submissive side of me. Okay. Like I said, I'm a very dominant personality in my everyday life, like in my social life and in our marriage and my parenting. I'm a very dominant personality. Kind of have to be when you're in charge of four other human beings all the time. <laughs> totally. Well, so what did you learn? Did you learn any new things about what you liked or what he liked or what you liked together? Like, what did you really get into together? Like, what was the next kind of like beautiful discovery in this six month period of like, holy fuck. So that was whenever we found out that I'm a very submissive person generally when it comes to us in our sex life. But I also learned that with him, I am very much a switchy person. Like the first day that he was like, I think I want you to tie me down because we have like the four point harness on our bed. And he came home one day and he was like, I think I want you to tie me down so I can experience what it's like. So I know what you're experiencing. So I know how to improve what I'm doing. Huh. And that first time that he came into it like that, I was like, I think I like tying you down. <laughs> I like being the one in charge. And it was 
a very new thing for me because I had never been the dominant one in that sense. Wow. Can you tell us a little bit about like energetically what it feels like for you to access your dom side and like relationally with him? Like, how does it feel to switch with this person that also like controls you sometimes? It's so cool because there are certain days where he will just be completely submissive with it. I'll tie him down and I'll put a blindfold on him and I'll play with him. And I'm very much like, he likes the intense feelings too, whenever you're doing that. So I'll like take my nails and I'll scratch up his thigh when I'm messing with him or I'll touch everywhere on his body except for his penis. It's so intense for him that like he like his whole body shivers. I don't know. I love it. There are times where he'll take that the entire time and I'll be super dominant and I'll get on top of him and do everything. And there's other times where I'll be starting off as the dominant one. And then he'll get to the point where he's like, okay, I need to take control now. And he'll get himself out of the harness and like just grab me and flip me over and the roles reverse and switch. Oh, that's hot. Do you like that? It's like you're just, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's fantastic. This is like kind of a tangent, but we'll get back into it. Are you able to be kinky during your quickies? Like, is there a fast version of that energy that you're able to access? What's it like? So a lot of times it's just him being dominant like that. He'll come up and he has this way of, we won't even be doing anything with each other, just sitting around with our mundane lives, kids playing in their rooms. And I'll be sitting on the couch or something and he'll walk up behind me and he'll run his fingers up my hair and grab my hair and yank it just right. And I'll get shivers from my eyebrows to my toenails. Like I will get shivers all the way down and he just knows it. Yep. And he'll pull me back and he'll look at me this way. And he takes me to the bedroom and puts me against the wall. And it happens in like five minutes and we're done. But it's still fantastic because. <laughs> That's really hot. No, I have a similar melt response if the right person grabs the back of my neck in just the right way. What other things does he do that turn you on or like what other turn ons just get you going? I love anything on like my ears, back of my neck, side of my neck, my lip being bit on like he likes to bite my lip and like pull it out and like suck on it a lot. And we recently figured out that I kind of have this leaning towards like primal almost play because I love whenever he'll grab my hair and yank it like he'll, we'll be in like a regular missionary position or something like that. And he'll grab the back of my hair and yank my head back and like growl in my ear. And it's, I, I like melt into a pool of goo. It's yeah. like, <laughs> hot. So anything like that, I love being spanked. I love, oh my God, I could be spanked all day long. Mostly it's just the aggressiveness of it. Oh my God. Wow. Do you do formal scenes with him now? It sounds like there have been moments where you have planned out scenes. Like what is kind of like the texture or what are some varieties of texture? And then maybe work that into how did you start doing more some play? <laughs> So right now we don't really do a lot of scening. It's because like it's a new baby in the house. It's very hard to get that kind of downtime where you have more than 25, 30 minutes between maybe waking up or needing to be fed or, you know, stuff like that. So we aren't actually actively doing scening or long stuff right now. We did in the past do that quite often when our third child, our next oldest child, he got big enough to where he was sleeping in his own bedroom and he was sleeping through the night. We would have, you know, stuff like that. And that's when we started having the Morsums coming in. We would have one of our guy friends wanted to come over and hang out and the conversation just arose and him and Nick kind of talked about it. And then the next time he came over, it kind of turned into a scene that way. That's so hot. Wait, they talked about it without you there and you were just like, cool, awesome. Set up set up yeah. the his buddy that he was in the military with. So he's known them for years and years and years. And they came over and hung out and that's what it turned into. Like <laughs> Oh my gosh. So your first threesome was with two dudes? Tell me more. What happened? What'd you get to do? So I learned that my husband is very much a voyeur. He likes to watch. <laughs> So we were completely monogamous up to this point, had never had partners, had never had anything. And he 
basically told me ahead of time, like right beforehand, he was like, I'm going to sit over here and I'm going to tell you what to do. And he was basically like directing it. He was still dominating from the sidelines, basically. Like he was telling me what to do to this guy. And he basically sat there and just watched. And he that's whenever I learned that he can get off just by looking at the faces that I make and the sounds that I make. There's such a turn on to him, my reactions to it. That's enough for him to get off. That's amazing. So that was the first time we had another person with us. <laughs> so from there, he actually had a girl that he met at work that they were just talking randomly. I don't know how they got in the conversation of BDSM and kink, her doing a threesome or whatever, but they got in that conversation and he asked me one day, he was like, there's a girl at work that kind of wants to try out kink and wants to try out being submissive and stuff like that. And I was like, let's meet her. Let's see how she is. You know, let's see how it is. And she came over and she hung out one night and we didn't do anything that first night. We just hung out and we had a couple of drinks. We talked and we went over the ground rules. That's whenever the ground rules was set in place type thing. Hot. So we went over everything with her. We were like on nights that we play, we won't be drinking just because we don't want anybody to have, you know, regrets or not be able to say what they want to say at the time of, you know, when it happens. Went over things that she wanted to try and we gave her some descriptions of what we do and we told her about it. And the next time she came over, it became like a twice a week thing with her. Like she became like a throuple with us, essentially. Wow. It sounds like there was so much ease and just enjoyment there. Yeah. Yeah. So she was very open about it. She very much wanted to try it. And my husband had always talked about having a threesome with two females. So that's how he was his ultimate goal was to have another girl in with us. So. Yeah, that's amazing. It sounds like it just happened so easily. Did you like ladies before then? Or were you aware of that at all for yourself? I had kind of experimented with other girls when I was in like college, but nothing serious. Like I had kissed a girl like once or twice, maybe, or I had, you know, thought about it, but I would always watch girl on girl porn and thought it was very, very hot. So that was just kind of a way for me to translate that into my own sex life and try it out. And it turned out to be wonderful. (laughs) That's so fucking hot. So can you tell us a little bit about like thruple sex? Like what are the communication vibes like? What's the turn on like in your experience? Like what were some of the things that just you loved? We had a power dynamic between the three of us. Like I was basically an alpha sub and she was the bottom sub and he was a dominant of us. And he would tell us both what to do, but he would always be the one telling me what to do to her. Amazing. I love playing with couples that way. That's so hot. Yeah. And then there was once or twice where he would be doing stuff with her and I would be telling her the right way to do it to make sure that he enjoyed it which is really nice. Like she loved how I would give blowjobs, the noises that I I get, the sounds that come out of me when I do a blowjob. She was like, so hot. You're showing me how to do that. So I was like her on how to give him the best blowjob that he would enjoy. Can you describe for us what you explained to her in great detail, please? So he likes a lot of pressure along the shaft of it. He likes it to be slobby. He likes a lot of slobber and everything going Mm -hmm. on like that. It took me a while to get used to that too, because I never really understood the draw of having spit dripping down your face and your neck until I experienced it. And I was like, oh my God, this is so hot. Yes. (laughs) So I was basically telling her like, he likes it when you turn your head when you're doing that. And he likes when your hand goes the opposite direction up and down. And he likes whenever you play with his balls somewhat, different things like that. Just the different details that he really likes. (laughs) Yeah. What about going down on each other? Is that something that you do? You and your lady partner? So, yeah, so she's no longer with us in that sense. Like, we were still friends, but she doesn't come over for that anymore. So, yeah, she had never had a female go down on her, and I had never gone down on a female until that. So my husband actually coached me how to do that. So he went down on her first. Like, that was the first, like, introduction to them doing anything with each other in front of me. And when he did, he is very good at sensing, like, body language of the female that he's with. So he can very much tell if they're enjoying it or not or how much they're enjoying it. So he went down on her as, like the control to figure out what (laughs) the recon mission. 
Yeah, basically. (laughs) So he could explain it to me in the best detail of how I could please her. And then the same thing with her, whenever she went down on me, he was telling her what I liked. How was that for you? That just sounds like luxurious and hot. Like, what was the emotional experience you were having as this physical sensations going on for you? It was very, very hot. So me and oral sex receiving is still kind of like a new type thing to me because I had never had oral done to me until I got married. Like even after I was married for like, it took us like a year or two for me to be okay with him going down because I had never experienced it. And I was very self-conscious of like my area, I guess. It doesn't bother me anymore. Okay. I was making mom be like, dude, get down there. Go away. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So it was very new. But I think the the aspect of him being in the room with us whenever it was going on made it a lot more comfortable and relaxed. So I was able to enjoy it more because he was there with me. Fuck yeah. Okay. What else do you do or get done to you that you love? What haven't we covered yet? I love any type of nipple stimulation, like nipple clamps. I have the ones that I'm going to reference Fidget Shades again because it's the best way to describe it. It's the ones that have like the sliding little ring on them. That, that's how you adjust the tightness of them. We have a set of those with the chain linking in the middle. And he has this thing that he does where I'll put him on and I'll be on top and he'll grab the chain with his teeth and like yank him back. And it's like, oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything impacts. Like I said, we have flogger. We have a riding crop. We have leather paddles. We have the whole nine yards. And any of those that he uses on me is fantastic. (laughs) Wow. Are you the type of person that enjoys getting marks or can you get marks? They don't last very long. Like he's tried to leave marks on me and they never last very long. And I'm always so disappointed because I want to wake up the next morning and have like a big bruise on me and there's never anything there. The only place I ever have marks that last is hickeys on my neck, and those last for like a week. <laughs> so I'm going to pick my kids up in school lines, covering up my neck with my hair. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm just very into turtlenecks this summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I feel you. I, what does it? I've only had like lasting bruises a couple of times, and it was like after extensive paddle play, like with a big flogger. So that one didn't hurt very much. It was just like, a lot over the course of the evening and then the other time I got the most bruised was with this like have you used a lollipop it's like just a tiny little not tiny it's like fist-sized almost flat disc like maybe a centimeter thick so imagine like a riding crop but instead I don't know what the fuck it's made out of something semi-solid that thing left bruises right away so if you're looking for bruises maybe try that and it was like tolerable pain like that one was the one where i feel like i could definitely handle it for a while and then the next day my ass was just bruised so yeah (laughs) the ones that he has used that instead of having like the thuddy hitting like because you know some of those toys you play with they're very thuddy and they don't hurt yes he'll use his hand sometimes and that's like i find his hand like his straight up hand to be like one of the most stingy pains out of all of them Fuck yeah. And that's one of the ones that will leave marks for a little while. <sighs> it's just his hand. I do like having <laughs> a good hand print. That's pretty hot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else, like, sensation-wise does your body love? Like, what are your orgasms like? We got your ears. We got nipples. Are there other parts of your body that we need to hear about? I don't know. Like, my inner thighs are super sensitive. So, like, if he's doing anything, he'll grab my inner thighs. And it's almost like the kind of sensitivity where it is on the verge of hurting yeah like it's almost like you can jump out of my skin at first and it's very much just very stingy and tingly and yeah super sensitive areas my ears and my neck are the biggest ones so he'll be doing stuff and biting my neck at the same time and that just makes everything very intense amazing not that this is the most important thing but what are your orgasms like and do you need anything particular in order to come So I usually, I tend to have to have some kind of clit stimulation. I can't come just from penetration. I've done like once. And that was, I think, a fluke because I was grinding. So I think there was still clit stimulation anyway. Like outer clit stimulation? 
because all of it is technically clit stimulation. Like I learned more. Like the G spot's not a spot; it's just a whole sponge, and it's just your clitoris. Okay, okay, right? Yeah. So I definitely have to have that. I can't just have insertion. I have to have that. So my orgasms when I'm just playing with myself, just clitoral orgasms, those are very. I would say shallow is a good way to describe them. Like they're very shallow and they're very quick and they're gone quickly. And it's just something that I do and like when I just need to get out of my head. You know, I need five minutes in the bedroom to get that over with and I can go about my day. And then the ones that involve penetration with the clit is very, very head to toe. Like you can feel it building up and it gets tingly in one area, then the whole area tingles and it's like my whole body shuts down. <laughs> Amazing. Are you into butt stuff at all? I have to be in the right mood for it, but occasionally I am, yeah. Okay. I have to have three to five business days to process. <laughs> what makes you in the right mood? Is it a certain energy level or a certain, or does it just kind of come and go randomly? Yeah. So there's times where I'm more into it than others. I don't know what it is. I have to mentally prepare for it. So I have to know ahead of time if my husband's in the mood for it, if he wants to do something that day with my stuff, he has to tell me ahead of time just so yes. I can be like ready for it that night. <laughs> I love that. Oh my God. I personally am such a big fan of the simmering turn on that leads up to it. I have spoken with enough people to know that like this does not work for everybody and that a lot of people like really literally get off on the surprise of it. But for me, I'm like, I get so much more out of it if I can like live in that little imagination. And then my brain is prepared because I don't have to like transition because the lead up is all transition. Do you wear butt plugs or anything like that if you know that you're going to be having butt sex? I will use them. Yes. Some of my best organs I've ever had or whenever I had like my husband was doing butt stuff and then I had a vibrator inside me and then something on my clit. Too, so I had like, all three stimulated. So time. good. Yes. 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 <laughs> some of the best ones I've ever had, like knees shaking, can't walk afterwards were those. But I can use butt plugs if I have the right ones. I learned this the hard way that I can't use butt plugs that have like really tiny, the flat part. I can't think of what it's called, like the flat part on them that keeps them from going in. It needs a stopper. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so I have one of those, but I have a rather large behind. And if you have something that doesn't have a very big stopper, it can get a little scary. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> it doesn't actually work as a stopper. <laughs> yeah, butts like to suck stuff up. They yeah, really I do. I that the hard way, and I had to, like, I almost died thinking about it, though, in time that I happened. I was laying in bed afterwards, and, you know, after you get done with everything, everything's very wet yep. and slippery. And yep. I was laying there and had my legs together, and I feel it all of a sudden start to slide. And I was like, oh, God, <gasps> I've got to I had to grab it real fast and like oh pull it before it went in. And that was so scary. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to wind up in the ER and wind up on that TV show. ER sex sent me to the ER because I lost a butt plug. <laughs> so now I do use them. But they have to be the ones that have the really wide bases to them. Yes. Do you have any other turn-ons that we need to hear about or turn-offs that we haven't heard about yet? As far as turn-offs goes, the biggest one for me is feeling like you're disinterested. Like if I feel like you just aren't in the moment or don't feel it or don't, you're not giving me the type of attention that I feel like is needed for that moment. It's a huge just click off. I didn't yeah. want to do anything anymore. Totally. Do you and your husband sext at all or send nudes ever or watch porn together? Like, is that part of your, okay, I'm getting a yes face. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't sext a whole lot, but I don't know why this is, but I find it to be super, super incredibly hot to send him like pictures while he's at work and know that he's having to like hide a boner at work in public for some reason. Like that's so positive. <laughs> he can touch me back and he'll say, oh my God, I'm at work. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why it's just my mischievous side. I guess it's the bratty side of me because I definitely identify as a brat in my submissive space. Okay. Okay. So not just switchy, but bratty. Tell us some of the other bratty things that you like to do other than just like fucking with him, giving hard ons in public. If we're sitting around the house and he knows that I, even things like I don't drink enough water during the day. If I don't drink all my water, he'll come home and he'll be saying, how many water did you drink? Well, I didn't drink enough. Why didn't you? I don't know. I didn't feel like it. Giving him attitude. Ah, does he punish you right away? Or is it like, 
sometimes it's right away and sometimes it's like okay mm-hmm. i'll remember that okay. <laughs> ah, that's so hard. That's just back pocket fun. for later you know <laughs> yes yes also so good i definitely need someone to remind me to drink water like this week i go through phases where i'm really really good but if i don't remind myself if I haven't said this out loud on the pod yet, I guess it's time to admit this. I pretend to be my own dom because I'm single. And that is kind of the origin of this dominatrix character. So I'll be like, drink water and then I'll do it, you know, like just in my mind. But if I don't specifically have that as an order for myself, I'll totally forget. I just get this sense from you that your life is just like full of these little like blips of sexual energy. Is that right? Or am I totally projecting? Yes. What other little pieces of that exist for you? Like, it sounds like there's just so much like simmer between you and your partner that you love. It'll definitely just like out of nowhere happen in the middle of the day. We'll just be going about our lives, dealing with our kids. And for example, so two days ago, we were folding a gigantic pile of laundry because when you have four other humans living in the house, you accumulate laundry like nothing. So we had a gigantic pile of laundry on our bed and we were folding clothes and I think I said something. I was being a smart ass to him. He told me something and I told him like, you know, I don't want to put that away or not. I mean, he told me to put one of the kids clothes or something. And I said, I'll do it later. He's like, no, go do it now. And I said, no, I don't feel like doing it now. And he walked over to me. He yanked my hair and he put me down on my knees and stuck his dick in my mouth. Like, it was, <laughs> it's just like stuff like that. Just out of nowhere will randomly happen. And that's just the extent of it. Like he made me give him head for five minutes and we might be folding laundry. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, I'm reacting to that in the context of the hotness that I sense you're telling me. But can you tell our listeners a little bit about what I think I'm hearing is like deep trust between two partners that have a solid foundation and that that like creates the sexiness of that situation? Can you just speak to your own personal experience as a person with 10 years of a relationship with this person? The trust between us is a very, very big part of it because he knows that he can do that to me and I'm not going to react negatively. So I think it opens up a whole new world of like, okay, we always have this possibility of of our day turning into this really sexy moment because we know that the other person is always open to it. Like we can just sense when the other person is in that kind of mood or in that kind of like in that headspace where we're, we can be horny and, and the other person will just know it without even having to portray it. Yeah, I assume he doesn't like do that if you're having a bad day or something. Yeah, no, no, no. So he, he always can tell when I'm in that kind of mood and, and I him as well. So it makes it very easy for those moments to just happen because we have that feeling for each other where he knows he can just do that and it's not going to be negative. Yeah. And it makes it very much, very much more fun because it just makes it much more open for the possibilities. <laughs> oh, amazing. Is there ever a world in which a threesome with him and your first sir would be possible? So probably not. They very much are very, very similar personalities. And I think the combination of them, for me personally, I think that would be fun to do just because I see them both in the same light. But I think for my husband, it would be a little odd because he sees him as like, I don't want to say competition, but he sees him as his counterpart, basically. Got it. Like there's only room for one archetypal role of that sort. Right. Okay. I'm just always curious about stuff like that. Are you talking about exploring group things more together? Is that something that's on your horizon right now? He's brought it up a couple times recently as something that we might try once we get past the newborn phase of having a baby. When we have time to dedicate to that more, he has talked about like reaching out and trying to find somebody else to play with again, just to bring them in. We went through a really dull phase where we weren't able to do this kind of stuff just because, you know, new baby in the house, hard to do that kind of stuff. 
but he's getting more into being very dominant again. Like I said, the putting me on my knees thing the other day and he, you know, every day of the week he's coming up and yanking my hair back and just giving me chills and kissing my neck and doing things like that. Or he started doing breath play again and we were having sex as opposed to just having regular old plain sex, you know, getting back into his swing of things for him is starting to happen. So I think he's starting to want to get back into that again, which is exciting for me because I'm ready. (laughs) That's beautiful. Could you speak a little bit to the times where your desires are at different levels and yours is on the higher end? What do you do to take care of yourself? I have a couple different dildos and I have a Hitachi wand thing. Fuck yeah, you do. So he'll go to work and my two older kids will go to school. And when it's nap time for the two little ones, I'll just get in my bed and take care of myself. And I'm good. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, that makes me so happy. What else would you like to explore? What's on your sexual horizons next? It's crazy to think this, but I think we've hit all the things that I've wanted to try ever. Like we've tried so much that my biggest thing now would be getting back into that being a regular part of our sex life is what I'm hoping for because it's been so erratic and so just irregular at this point that I would love that to be something that happens on a regular basis again. Yes. Can you speak to a few specifics of what you would like to come back into your life? Because I think that's the way to magic them into existence. (laughs) Manifest them, right? Yeah. Totally. (laughs) I would love to get back into him giving me rules during the day and for him to be into like the impact play. He's haven't done that in a while. He's got back into the choking, which is a big thing for me. He's gotten back into, you know, hair yanking and just being rough. But I would like to be able to have more time dedicated to being kinky with each other again. Being able to have those like hour or two long sessions where we just have time to just explore each other from head to toe and just have incredible times together for longer than five minutes. <laughs> yes. And what about sexual hopes in general for the future? I'm hearing that you want to bring in more kinky stuff in the near future, but like long term, just like for your sexual creative self, what is your great hope at the moment? Just to be able to explore each other and grow even more in that space with each other, to have that connection and it just become deeper and become a better connection than it already is even. Yes. And if you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sexual advice, what age or ages would you pick and what would you say? I would probably go back to that 18, 19 year old Lindsay and be like, hey, you don't have to sleep with these guys to feel wanted. You know, it's sex is not equal love is basically what I would tell myself, because that was a big struggle for me. You know, through my late teens, early 20s was a big struggle. And even sometimes now it'll cause fights between my husband and I will have, you know, days where he's very not attentive and very as amazing as he is. He's still human. He has his moments where he doesn't want to do anything or he's unattentive one day because he had a long day at work. And I let myself think that he just is getting disinterested in me, which isn't the case. And that's due to all that. So I would go back and say that sex is not equal love. Don't let yourself think that you have to do all of that just to get emotional connections. Beautiful. One of the things that gets me off the most is whenever he'll do dirty talk in my ear or like that gets me off super fast if he's talking really, really dirty to me in the middle of it. Also, I love just hearing his breath when we're actually doing stuff or when we're having sex and hearing him moan in my ear and then I'll moan in his ear and he just gets like this primal instinct and he has to take charge so we're both very much noise oriented but i'll also tell him if we're having sex and i know he's about to finish i was like you better make it a noisy one that's my favorite (laughs) one to say (laughs) i love that i love that (laughs) it's like an instant button like yeah okay i'm done now (laughs) fuck yes Lindsay. thank you so much for being a guest on the show i had a lot of fun (laughs) do you have a sex question for me if you had to pick one single time what would be the one most life-altering positive sexual experience that you had that actually changed, like absolutely changed sex and your sexual life for you? Ugh. It 
it has to be the first time. 